Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast, a show by professional wrestling fans for professional wrestling fans. My name is Jack Murley. I'm a professional broadcaster. Alongside me each and every week, athlete and professional rugby player Charlie Beckett, part of the championship team of the week this year, this week, mind you, and a try scorer as well. I think that says more about the quality of the rest of the second rows in the championship rather than my quality as a player. Um, yeah, no, it was a good week for us this week because that was nice. We needed a win and we got a big one, so that was good. And when I'm scoring tries, something is going wrong. So I've got my lottery numbers in and that sort of stuff because it's about that rare. In the entire time I used to commentate on you, I don't think I ever saw you score a try at all. And it, and it is, by your own admittance, a bit of a rarity that you sort of tumble over. Yeah, I, in all my time playing England age groups, I scored one try and my mum missed it because she was at the bar. <laughs> Because there was, bless her, there was an injury like it was going to be a bad one. We were in France, and she thought it was a chance to go and get some chips and beer. And then the lad who was down just popped straight back up. I started playing again. And then I scored. And mum still isn't. If this is a podcast she listened to, I wouldn't bring it up. But she doesn't listen to this, so I can. It's amazing. Did, and that was your one try you got. And she, but to be fair, if you're going to miss it, getting a pint and chips, I mean, what a woman. A pint of chips in France, what a time. Absolutely. So, look, it is a big week of professional wrestling. We have a premium live event to discuss, more fights and scraps backstage in AEW, and some Women's Royal Rumble preview predictions as we head towards the winter and the start of the road to WrestleMania. But let's kick off with WWE Extreme Rules happening this Saturday. It's not a Sunday event, it's a Saturday event. In Philadelphia, both the Raw and SmackDown women's titles on the line. No scheduled appearances for the Bloodline. Charlie, 1 to 10, scale of excitement. How are you feeling? So I think this is going to be a really good show. Mm. And normally, it being a Saturday, I'm buzzing for, because normally I play my game on a Saturday. I can't sleep after anyway, because as tired as I am, I have milligrams and milligrams of caffeine coursing through my veins that keep me awake to about 3 in the morning. So Saturday shows normally work brilliantly for me. I'm playing on Sunday this weekend. Mm. So that's well annoying. So Sunday would have worked perfectly for me. But no, I, I'm very excited for the show. I think we spoke about off air. The one thing that potentially hurts it is the bloodline aren't on it. And the one your world champion isn't on it. But I think the six matches that are scheduled, I think it's six, yep. which is the perfect number of matches, I think are all strong. There's a reason for them all. There's no filler matches. Uh, they all have extreme rules stipulations that make sense as well. Like my, my biggest, um, I hate extreme rules, is when they have extreme rules, but there's one extreme rules match on the card and the rest are all just normal matches. They're all stipulation matches, uh, gimmick matches. I know for a lot of people, gimmick matches aren't their jam, but I, I always enjoy them. Something a bit different. They're exciting. And one of my favourite gimmicks in the fight pit is here. So I'm making its main roster debut. So I'm, oh yeah, I'm pretty excited for this one. Yeah, I am as well. I think that, as you say, the way we've got here has probably been the most organic build for an Extreme Rules pay-per-view we, we've had really ever. It's not just, oh, it's this time of month, let's throw them on. We'll talk about the bloodline in a bit. Let's touch on Fight Pit then. Riddle and Rollins continue their rivalry, this time with a bit of extra spice, not just the Fight Pit, but the addition of Daniel Cormier. Before we talk about him, I'm conscious there's some listeners who may never have seen a Fight Pit. What is it about that match that makes it such a stipulation that you enjoy? So there's only ever been two, both NXT. And um, what I enjoy is, and I say, I've said this about three weeks in a row now, I like when wrestling has realism to it. And it's a real fight. It's like a UFC fight. There's no pin. There's no one, two, three on the mat. You either submit or win by knockout. Now, the only slightly 
dubious point on it is we never, ever, ever see knockout finishes in wrestling. And then suddenly moves that don't knock people out outside the fight pit are suddenly being considered for knockout in here, which is you've got to part that to a side. Like a kick to the head in a normal one-on-one match doesn't even get you a two count. Sometimes the fight pit can get you close to a KO. So that, that that's what the fight pit is. That's my one issue with it. What I love about it is it's really raw and brutal and organic and it fits this feud perfectly. You would want to lock them in a cage and rather than a steel cage or a helmet cell, Fight Pit makes sense because it's Rollins going to fight Riddle in his wheelhouse, in his back garden, because Riddle is a cage fighter. He's an MMA fighter. So I am really, really up for it. I'm really excited. And it also has the added bonus of the Fight Pit has the platform at the top, so you still get your stunts of like off the top of the cage or something like that. And it is unique. And I think it's the first new and unique and organic gimmick match WWE have brought in for a while. And I was worried that it might get lost in the shuffle as NXT changed. So I'm really, really happy to see it back. And it's not something you want to see every year. You want to see it when when the time is right. And this view definitely feels right. There are a certain amount of people who can have a fight pit match. I mean, you, you're not going to put your luchadors in the fight pit. You're not going to be having tag team fight pit matches. But between Riddle and Rollins and Daniel Cormier, former UFC world champion, we know he's a big WWE fan. A little bit out of left field to see him announced for this match. I'm curious... Why? Why is a really good question, isn't it? Are they trying to do some more UFC WWE crossover? Maybe is that something Triple H wants to get into more? You don't know, but I straight away like they told the story of there's clips going on social media of Cormier celebrating like a maniac at WrestleMania 31 when Rollins cashes in and wins. So clearly a big Rollins fan, but also talking about he obviously has the utmost respect for Riddle and that brotherhood of they've both been in the cage in UFC. So he has a torn allegiance in there. Will he call it down the middle? Next question is, will he get physical? Oh, I mean, y- you have to think in some way he's going to. You have to think. You're not going to just have him there to call it down the middle and say, thank you very much, Daniel. Here's your $50,000 or whatever he's getting, and off you go on your way. He's This has to be the start of something more with him, I would think. Also, he's a certified badass, Daniel Cormier. Yeah, yeah. You go back and watch him in UFC, he is a certified badass. Badass. Again, the realism of it, he could more than handle himself with either Seth Rollins or Matt Riddle. I'm really interested to see what sort of Seth Rollins we see in here Mm. because the flamboyant, extrovert, maniacal, laughing Seth Rollins ain't going to cut it in the fight pit. I'd quite like to see him come out in all black, really tone it down, a different sort of Seth in here. The sort of Seth we saw at the end of that promo before Clash at the Castle, where when the cameras went off, we got real Seth. I think this could have the feel of, and this is an old school reference, you may not get it, uh, particularly if you're a newer fan. Back in 2008, TNA did their lockdown event where Kurt Angle faced Samoa Joe in the cage, and Angle taped up his feet. He went very much as, a, as an MMA fighter version of Angle versus Samoa Joe, and they almost had a shoot MMA match, and it only got to be like a wrestling match at the end. Give me that sort of match. Give me that different feel. Definitely, and I think it's interesting when they the timing they aired that... Uh, Ariel Hawani interview with Seth Rollins. Yes. Where he comes across incredibly well and you almost babyface promo-ish isn't it of even when I won the title I never really felt like the guy and all this and, and it, it makes sense Roman they strapped the rocket to Roman not Seth so even when Seth was doing it Roman was still pushed harder so is this the start of something with Seth or is that completely by by the by is that just something that also happened and that's the thing now we, we're in a new era of wrestling where you have Seth Rollins or any wrestler the person 
and the character, and they are two different things now, and they don't merge as much unless you're MJF. So I wonder if that's going to cross over or if that is just something that is separate. By the way, how good is Hawani? How good is he? Yeah, because what he'll do is he will ask the questions you want asked. And if he doesn't get an answer, he's not going to push in places they don't want to go, but he'll always ask the question. And he that long format of interview, he, he is just great. He's so good. And also his interviews feel like events. When he gets yes. a Triple H, when he gets an MJF, when he gets a Seth Rollins, they feel like events. I think that's going to be great. Before we go on, do we need to just be aware of the fact we're suddenly living in a universe where Daniel Cormier and Brock Lesnar are both floating around in the same orbits? Now, is that something that down the line, maybe not at Extreme Rules, almost certainly not at Extreme Rules, but suddenly they're in the same orbit? That hadn't even crossed my mind. Imagine that in a WWE ring. You, you know where they do it, though, don't you? Saudi? Yeah. That's where they do it. I'm just saying, you've got Daniel Cormier, you've got Brock Lesnar, potentially same company, you're bringing him in fairly short order, you're not going to bring him in for nothing, where do you go with Daniel Cormier, what's the spectacle match you can have with him straight off the bat, well it's Brock. Well it couldn't go worse than the last time they brought a UFC fighter in, could it, Was it? Is he called Cain Velasquez, who was that guy who came in with Rey Mysterio? It was Cain Velasquez, yeah. And it, it didn't go well, did it? I mean, we have to, at some point, do the worst debuts in history, I think, in professional wrestling, and that has got to be on the list. So that's going to be great. We get an Edge versus Finn Balor in an I Quit match. Of course, floating around this whole event is this white rabbit thing that's happening. If you're going to bring Bray Wyatt back, this is the one to do it in, isn't it? Who would you take him out at? Who Who would he go against? Well, he's going to want to be cheered. Do you do you put it? Do you have him take them both out? I I don't know. I have this. I have this really strange feeling. Mm. They're going to bring Bray back as cult leader Bray because that's the best Bray, or either cult leader Bray or a new Bray we've never seen. Yeah, they're the two options. The demon ain't coming. Um, sorry, yeah, yeah, not the demon. The that's fiend. Finn. The fiend isn't coming back. That was killed at the Red Hell in a cell. I've just got this strange feeling they're going to bring him back as almost like a higher power cult leader to the Judgment Day. I could see him coming in, looking like he's going to do Finn, and then just Sister Abigail and Edge, and then Finn and the rest of them coming down, almost, almost like worshipping him like a cult leader. Not, I don't want him like being superpowered, just a cult leader that is a real thing, scarily, in the world. They have these... A lot of them are through religion. This is something through religion, whatever it is. But the the Judgment Day, worship and work for Bray Wyatt. Now, if you do that, and I think that's a great way to do it, but don't you risk taking the legs out a little bit from underneath Finn and Damien Priest, who are sort of getting to a level by themselves? If they're immediately pushed down by Bray coming back, or is it the other side? Are they elevated by being with Bray? I think, yes, they get pushed down a little bit, but you tell it right... Long term, I think Finn and Bray can both come out looking great from a feud in six, 12 months' time. Yeah. A power struggle. And also, we haven't seen enough of... Have we ever seen Finn versus Bray? Because that'd be a good match. I can't remember that we have. They didn't really coincide in NXT, did they? And, and maybe, no. uh, maybe a cup of coffee together on the main roster. I suppose the flip side, just going back to the fight pit, is we're assuming this rivalry keeps going. But if... Rollins beats Riddle 
two clean in a row and you need something for Seth. And Seth mentioned in his Ariel Hawani interview, there's a lot more I would like to do with, uh, with uh, what is it? A Rotunda. Well, I can't remember. Uh, Wyndham Rotunda. With Wyndham Rotunda. There's a lot more I'd like to do with him. Well, that could be a way to do it. Yeah. Maybe that's a spectacle at the end of the fight pit. You get Bray Wyatt come back and take out Rollins. Yeah, I could see that again. It's going to be very, very interesting to see where Bray lands. Also, imagine if it isn't Bray. <laughs> imagine if you're like an NXT 2.0 talent who's backstage. You've got your white rabbit costume. You've got your ears. You've got your bunny tail. You're all good to go. And you just said, Hunter, are we sure that? No, no, you're going to be fine. It's going to be Paul, fine. I don't, Paul, I don't think this is what they want. No, it's also, sorry, how long before they get rid of premium live event now Triple H is in charge? Oh, I, I think it's a matter of hours. It wouldn't surprise me. I think we'll just get a start called pay-per-views. It'll never be mentioned. I, I, and fair play to Triple H for, again, getting us this excited about an event without the world champions on. We will get onto that. We do have the two women's world champions. We've got Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship in an Extreme Rules match. And then we have Bianca Belair versus Bailey for the Raw Women's Championship in a ladder match. Let's do Liv against Ronda first. Liv's title reign. Where are we? What are we thinking? I think she needs to win this for it to be credible. Because she's had roll-up victories, she's had victories shrouded in judgment. She needs to go extreme. And she's shown she can with the broad. And they, you know what? They have built this match brilliantly, to be fair to them. this I am more interested in this match than really I should be. Mm. I think she needs to win this. I think we need to see her. I think she just needs to go utterly crazy on Ronda Rouse. Like, almost the point where... She's refusing to pin her. Like, Ronda is out and she's just smacking her with the chair. Yeah, I like that. And what I would like, having you just said it to me there, is I'd like Ronda to come into it with an air of condescension, a little bit of mockery, a little bit of you can't hang with me, and have Ronda tell the story through the match of, oh, wait, Liv, Liv can hang with me and Liv can beat me. I think that would be an amazing story to tell. And we've sort of seen that look on Ronda Rousey's look before in the octagon in UFC against Holly Holm when she was... You know, Ronda was the big bad woman and then Holly Holm came in with her kicks and you suddenly go, oh, oh, Ronda's got a weakness here. By the way, imagine that in a real fight. Imagine if you went into a real fight that confident and then after one round you're like, um, no, I've got this wrong. This woman can beat me up. Yeah, it's why I always... That'd be scary. It's why I always finish my fights in the first round, Charlie. I always Jack, have. Jack, one way or another, your fights finish early. They just... You bet on me, finish it early, because then I don't have to test myself. And, you know, it's just always a strategy I've had. Does Ronda lose anything if she loses to Liv Morgan? That's the other side. <sighs> Ronda of a few years ago would, yes, but what is this Ronda? Yeah. What is this... Ronda Rousey needs some rehab. And not from drugs or alcohol like that, by the way. I'm not accusing her of that. The character. The character Ronda Rousey needs some rehabilitation and probably some time away. So is there a story to tell that she gets injured in this match and we get some time off screen? I don't know. There's Ron, The character Ronda Rousey is broken at the moment. and I don't think putting the title on her fixes it. Interesting. Because I, I quite like this version of Ronda. I, Do you? I quite like it. And I'm not quite clicking with this version of Liv. And I would almost send Liv away. I'd almost flip it round and do it the other way and have Ronda stay with the belt, have her feud with Shayna, and then have Liv Morgan come back as uh, you all thought my first title reign was a joke. Well, I'm here to show you I'm not a joke anymore. Potentially I, you could do that. I'd say the only way that works for me, and that does work, is, and um, bless Liv, 
Ronda destroys her. Yep. I'm talking Suplex City, SummerSlam 2013 sort of destruction on John, Brock on John Cena. Genuinely like, Ronda goes, right, enough playing around with you, kid. I'm going to kill you. And then, because that Ronda versus Shayna is a money feud. Yeah, that's what that's what I'd be tempted to do. I have no idea what I'd do in this Raw Women's Ladder match. I think you've got two good options here. Bianca against Bailey. I mean, you can keep the title on Bianca, who is who is doing really well with that title, as you'd expect, or you give it to Bailey. You know, she's back. She probably needs to look strong, but is Bailey hot enough to have the belt yet? Bailey wins by shenanigans. Shenanigans. Yeah. Damage control come in and take Bianca out so Bailey can climb the ladder. Hundred percent. Ultimate would, heel move. Why would you agree to a ladder match knowing that your opponent has a crew? Why would you? Any no DQ match is so stupid. But there are some that would work in your favour. But you sort of, if you're Bianca Belair, you're going, oh, wait, hold on. She's got a crew that always interfere in matches and all she has to do is climb up high. Yeah, sure, no problem here. Sign me up. I also want to see, I, I'm a sucker for hold all the gold. Oh. I think because I grew up in the evolution era, yep. I think that's why. And you know what I want to see backstage at Raw? I want to see a face-off between Damage Control and the Bloodline. Just like, I want to see like Damage Control like come up to them, but like Bailey being the arrogant prick she can be it's like holding the belt in front of roman's face and roman just be so bemused by what's happening when he saw you women shouting at him is that where then naomi just emerges from the crowd oh steps... god don't do that to me <laughs> just steps between them and stares her down but can, can you see it like bailey um yeah. um or undamaged control all just scream at roman roman like, look like wise man what are they doing? And then you know who would jump in to try and mediate. It'd be everyone's favourite, Sami Zayn. Yes. And I'd like to see Bailey beat up Sami Zayn for some reason. I don't know why. Here's something interesting. Let's get on to the fact that the Bloodline aren't on this show. Genuinely, I forgot they weren't on it and it didn't make me any less excited. Somehow is, with this card. Which is testament to how the card has been built, I yep. think. Yep. And I think they definitely will be on it because the best bit of WWE at the moment is the backstage segments with the Usos and Sami Zayn. Yes, so good. Also, I don't, I don't know if I said it to you, there's a clip going of poor Solo just tries his best, his absolute best not to laugh. And Sami is just having the time of his life makes him corpse. And you see Solo just start laughing and turn away. He's just, he's obviously being like, I'm going to try and make you guys laugh when you shouldn't. And he's just having the best time. Here's what I loved backstage. The segment, I can't remember exactly what the six words were but the segment with Kevin Owens coming up to Roman Reigns, uh, excuse me, coming up to Sami Zayn backstage, and just the hint that maybe Sami was infiltrating the bloodline and that he was maybe a little bit smarter than the bloodline were. He looks at his shirt and he just goes, you need a new shirt, buddy. But That's then, it. And it's just that, yeah, there's just that. I do, I do think now where we're going to end up is Sammy and KO taking the tag titles off the Usos. Yeah, it's so good. Because that what that segment made me think is, what if Sammy <clears throat> knows what he's doing? What if the ultimate conspiracy is Sammy Zayn infiltrating the bloodline? What if Sammy is playing dumb? What if Sammy knows the only way to take down the bloodline is to take the bloodline down from within? Now, that probably isn't where they're going, but they've done such a good job with this story and just that less is more backstage segment. Fantastic. I would love to have been the first meeting where... I'm guessing it's Sami Zayn who pitched it, pitched him joining the bloodline. Because if you said that to me before it happened, I'd be like, how does that work? That makes no sense. And it's the best thing in wrestling at the moment. 
It is. And it, but what is, what is really worrying me is it's the best thing in wrestling. We don't always get the payoff to the best thing in wrestling. And where we're going is towards WrestleMania, two nights of it. And are we really saying that we think that this version of WWE might do a WrestleMania moment where Sami Zayn is the one to take down the bloodline? Because say you do Sami and KO take the belts off the Usos. Who is, who is Roman facing still? I mean, I know you say Cody, but that, I don't know. I don't know. I honestly I also I read reports, I don't know if this is a classic swerve, that Cody isn't going to be ready for the Rumble. Now, I don't, that's a classic WWE, oh, he's not going to be ready. Um, yeah, I, right now, gun to my head, Sami Zayn is the best bet to take the title off Roman Reigns. Just hear that sentence out loud. Yeah, it's Madness. mad. It's mad. But it's true. It is true. He is that good. While we're talking about the bloodline, we can't go through <laughs> without that bit of artwork that I saw on Kenny McIntosh's Twitter. I don't know who made it. Of them all, and I was on my Instagram yesterday, go look at Kenny McIntosh's Twitter, all the bloodliners dogs, and it's just amazing. I really hope on SmackDown they bring out the bloodline, each with their respective dog. And they don't acknowledge it. They just have the dogs and they just do it as a little internet meme because this version of WWE, I think, will do it. I, here's the thing, right? It's a two-night WrestleMania. If you can heat someone else up to face Roman, say say it is Roman against The Rock, for example. Let's just assume it's that. You'd struggle to heat The Rock up. Would you get enough buzz around him? <laughs> Old Dwayne, Look. he takes some heating up. I know he's a mid-card guy, this Dwayne yeah. Johnson, but if you could get him hot enough for WrestleMania, big if, that's your night two. Then you do have Sammy and KO against the Usos for night one main event, two out of three falls, TLC, whatever you want to do. Yeah, okay, I am, I am all in for that. You could sell me on that way of doing it. Yeah, and I would rather do it with Sammy taking the title off Roman, but... One, what a match that tag match would be. And two, the storyline would be great. And also three, we've never got Sammy and KO as tag team champions in WWE. And I think there's just so much great stuff to be done there. And let's not underestimate the fact that this will be Roman's third WrestleMania in a row with the titles. Because he, yeah. he had the WrestleMania in Florida with Edge and Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Had the WrestleMania with Brock this time round. Have we ever had a... I mean, this is one for you listening. If you know, tell me the answer, because I don't. Have we ever had three consecutive WrestleManias where the same guy is the champion having never lost it? That's mad, isn't it? Let's talk about AEW then. It's third year anniversary of Dynamite overshadowed by, you've guessed it, backstage shenanigans. In the latest round of Who's Fighting Who in the Locker Room, it's Sammy Guevara and Andrade El Idolo who are coming to blows after some online shenanigans as well. Charlie, you've been in some locker rooms. What's going on? At this point, AEW just need to buy into this and bring their own version of Brawl for All <laughs> and just have shoot fights. And this is... It's bonkers. Like, someone needs to get control of that locker room. Someone needs to because it is hurting the product now because what should have been a celebration of three years of this brilliant wrestling company that has reignited a lot of people's love for wrestling, has given a lot of people a genuine other option to WWE, has given a lot of other wrestlers a genuine other option to go and earn good money wrestling from WWE. should be a huge celebration of this company. All anyone was talking about was backstage nonsense. 
So I don't know what's going on back there. I don't know why the animals feel they can run the zoo at the moment, but they absolutely do. Everyone's going to business for themselves. They're not scared of the repercussions. Like, Sammy Guevara goes over in the main event. Yeah, That is not a way to say to people, we don't want you fighting. Like, why wouldn't you fight now? Well, we don't know exactly who did what and who threw what and whatever, but we do know there was an altercation backstage. We certainly all know they were going at it on social media because we all saw it. I mean, this this is a point where you go, all right, so CM Punk is doing this and the Elite are doing this and Kenny Omega's doing this and we've had Sammy and Eddie Kingston do it and now it's Sammy and Andrade El Idolo. And this is where you have to look at the upper management. It's where you have to look at a Tony Khan or, or those people around him say, Tony, are you still the right guy to run a wrestling locker room? Because we're seeing it. We don't matter. But if you are a TV company looking to extend a contract or invest in this company, it just looks so poor. I look to my own experiences. So I take my role of club captain and I have my leadership group. And there's some things that have to be dealt with by coaches and by DORs, by management. But a lot of fires, I like to think I can put out and I'll better put out peer-to-peer. Like a player talking to another player rather than the coach. The player is less headmaster telling off the children, more dealing with it yourself. So if I was Tony Khan, I'd be looking at my, who, who are my locker room leaders and wh- why aren't you helping me deal with this? So you straight away think the likes of Mox, Danielson, Jericho. For all the issues that Wrestlers Court had in WWE and oh wow, it feels like there were a lot when you hear the stories. We we have, uh, um, and so a lot of rugby clubs have fine systems, dice rolls. You you do something you shouldn't. You have to roll a dice. There are funny punishments for each, like, for example, a certain dice roll is a head shave, is a song for the lads, is an Instagram post confessing your love for the club, things like this. Like, not bad punishments, stuff you don't want to have to do. Mm. And that keeps people in line through your own fine system. Now, it seems like back in WWE, Undertaker ran, ran the roost. And it doesn't seem like AEW has anyone from what you hear, who sits atop that locker room and is in charge that people will go, I don't want to do this because I don't want to let X down or I don't want to have to deal with Y. And it seems like there is no leadership in that locker room and that's a dangerous place to be. Well, look, I appreciate that in any form of entertainment, you're going to have egos, you're going to have scraps. Happens in my line of work, happens Happens in your line of work. all the time. Of course it does. These things will happen. And no one is saying what's happening in the AEW locker room is any better or any worse than stuff that's happened elsewhere in wrestling. Problem is, we live in an age of social media. We even live in an age where it is also public. And I do go back to the fact that if I am someone and I've got uh, $20 million and I want to invest it in a wrestling company and I look at WWE and I say, right, I want merchandise for you or I look at AEW... What's going on at the moment doesn't fill me with confidence. And I think the big problem is you look at the bosses. In WWE, every wrestler there is going to have respect for Triple H because he has been there, he has done it a million times over. And there is no substitute for that. Unfortunately, Tony Khan, at the crux of it, is a wrestling fan. He's involved in wrestling because he loves wrestling. That's brilliant. We want people doing that. But those wrestlers are going to look at him and they probably aren't going to respect him the same way because he hasn't been there and done it. And that is not his fault. It is just a fact. And that is why he needs someone, a la William Regal. Now, I'm guessing Tony Khan isn't a stupid man. No. I'm guessing he's had this conversation with Regal. And for whatever reason, Mr. Regal doesn't want to do it, which is fine. He's allowed to, he's allowed to do that. He's earned that. Someone, Tony Khan needs to find someone 
and give them a role and basically they're in charge of the locker room, they deal with this. Yeah, and people will say this is all online rumour speculation, it doesn't affect the on-air product. And I, I appreciate that view, but I respectfully disagree because I look at the arena that AEW ran for this third anniversary and there's nothing wrong with doing small arenas providing you've got a small crowd. But I look at where they have been and where they are now and it feels smaller. And you can't tell me that having to throw out an entire load of storyline with the trios championship isn't a reason for it. Or having to throw out your CM Punk MJF rivalry you are clearly building towards. If you're taking fans down Route X and you have to go down Route I, not not just once, but multiple times because of these things, fans will tune out. They won't buy tickets. You don't know what you're getting. As much as we say we haven't missed in the last few weeks, any company in the world having to get rid of CM Punk, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks are going to be hurt. There's no doubt about it. You're going to do less business. And also, the crowd were just booing Sammy the whole time and ruining that main event because of what was happening backstage. It is hurting their product. And if, and if I am, um, forget just the week to week, say I came back to AEW because I saw CM Punk had debuted and I saw that Brian Danielson had debuted and I saw that, oh, we've got the elite and the undisputed era. Well, suddenly Bobby Fish is gone because he's injured and now he's left the company and, and he's talking down the company. Now CM Punk's nowhere to be seen and Holden wasn't he the champ and now he's not the champ and that, you know, it is just messy and they have to start again. And that really is a shame because we should be celebrating and we are celebrating, I think, that AEW's here. Three years of Dynamite is no mean feat. Two of them in a pandemic, pretty much. Well done for surviving. Giving us an alternative, that's great. But at the moment, it feels like the wheels are a little wobbly. When do we see Andrade in WWE? Well, you know, I think... I think that makes sense for all parties right now by the sounds of it. I think it just didn't work out, did it? I think this hasn't worked out, and I think it hasn't worked out from the very start. Also... When was the best Andrade? NXT feuding with Johnny Gargano. Who was in charge of NXT? Yep. Who's in charge now? The dynamics changed. The dynamic in professional wrestling since Vince stepped down and this all-out scrap has completely shifted 180. Also, if I was bringing Andrade back, if I was Triple H, I would be on the phone to Zelina Vega in a heartbeat because she made him. He was a mid-card in NXT, Andrade, doing nothing. And they put Selena Vega as his manager, and boom, he was the best thing. And that match at TakeOver Philadelphia with Johnny Gargano is one of the best matches WWE have ever produced, period. And the shame of all this is we're talking about the backstage stuff. Let's talk about the anniversary. Smaller arena, smaller crowd, still a red-hot crowd, still lots to enjoy on Dynamite. Once again, Hangman and Mox stealing the show. Just brilliant. That that confrontation with, what was it, two and a half minutes? Maximising your minutes. I loved it. I thought that was great. Yeah, they, they just feel like a big deal, don't they? And fair play to Hangman. He is stepping up when the company need him to. And I'm, I'd probably have been a bit harsh to Hangman on this on this show in the past. I'm not the biggest Hangman Adam Page fan in the world. He, he hasn't in the past had the star power form that maybe he's been presented with. But he's stepping up, and yeah, he is a big deal in AEW. He is, he is the man. He's one of the homegrown talents. So, yeah, fair play. And Mox is just, Mox is just a cool badass, isn't he? Every, we'd all like to be John Moxley, wouldn't we? Really? Of course we would. John Moxley is the Stone Cold Steve Austin of AEW. But I love that Adam Page said, "If you've waited for three years to see me, where are you going now?" Because you would yeah. say that. And then when Mox says, 
basically you're running your mouth. Too many people do that. You're a good kid, but you're getting yourself into trouble. He just exudes confidence. I thought that was great. I think the Toronto debut for the company next week, you just pray they can get through seven days where people can just focus on that because Toronto is going to be red hot for them. Yeah, Toronto loves their wrestling. They love wrestling over there. So hope that'll be a great show for them. And my favourite thing of the AEW week, the acclaimed and national scissoring day. Oh, how good are the acclaimed? Just so great. I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it, that you just hope a a non-wrestling fan doesn't walk in as you hear them scream, scissor me, daddy ass. I think it's great. I think it's a it, it's a tough explain though, isn't it? It is a tough explain. It's a really, really tough explain. But I think Ah, so you see, that's Billy Gunn, right? <laughs> and he's daddy ass because Yes. He used to be Mr. Ass, now he's Daddy Ass. But what I love is look at the signs. And I know they made a big thing out mm. of it being a day, but those guys are over like Rover. They are people want them to succeed. And you've got to love seeing guys who probably weren't the plan champs getting themselves over just by being really good. Yeah. Really good. And also, he's your best mate. Well, on, me, on my other show, without wanting to do a bit of cross-promotion, he was telling me about how, you know, they had to try and establish all of it in a pandemic, in an empty arena. And you think about having those two guys without the crowd there. I mean, I just you don't see how that works. Scissor me, daddy ass, echoing around an empty arena doesn't really work. It's a confidence, isn't it? You go out and you're like, right, we've done it in an empty arena. We feel like it's getting over. Let's see if we can get the everyone loves the acclaimed over in in an arena with people. What if there's crickets? What if no one says anything? You know, that's a problem. Also, the boys can go in the ring. I think because they're so characterful, and that's not a word, but we've used it. They have so much character about them. I think it is a word. Okay, it is a word. Characterful. Because they are so brilliant on the mic, they sometimes do not get the credit they deserve for how good they are in the ring. Those boys can wrestle. And and they they are filling that gap that was left by the Bucks and left by those folks. I still will not understand why we're not getting FTR across Dynamite more. I mean, yet they came out and saved, uh, saved Samoa Joe and Wardlow from an ROH attack. I mean, fine, okay. FTR versus Acclaimed just makes sense on so many levels. Your two most popular tag teams, and also have FTR be like, all right, you rapping nonsense, can you actually wrestle? And then have them go over and get the handshake from FTR and be like, okay, yeah, these guys from the absolute gods of the mat, of the guys who worship the wrestling, these guys have got the approval of them as actual wrestlers. I don't I don't see the downside of it apart from it's face versus face, but we can do that nowadays. And also, you've got to be so aware of the fact that FTR's best buddy from NXT is now booking the main roster. Oh, they will be dying to go back. Imagine getting, oh my God, we could have NXT's best feud in tag team wrestling, the Revival versus DIY on the main roster of WWE. Because they might love what they're doing now. They might love the freedom of New Japan. They might love the freedom of performing at the Indies, getting all those moments. Well, yeah, it's money, but it's also... I'm saying saying WWE's money talks. uh, Well, it does, but it's also like, now you've got the option, legitimately, if you're FTR, you could see the main event in one night at WrestleMania. Never under Vince would that happen, but you can't tell me that Triple H wouldn't, in a couple of years, look at an FTR feud that he builds to a red-hot level and go, all right, you're back, you're the arrival again. Do you fancy main event in WrestleMania? Hunter would do that. Yeah. uh, 
it's a dangerous time for AEW because suddenly, a year ago, AEW was the promised land to go to. Now it's the other way around. And a lot of their big stars that came from WWE were the NXT stars that didn't work on the main roster. And the man who made them work at NXT is now in charge of the main roster in charge of the main roster. And there's no reason why, from what he's showing, that he can't replicate that success. Let's have a little bit of talk, looking a little bit down the line. Last week, we did the Royal Rumble men's picks, who we're thinking might be in the mix this time round. The women's Rumble, we said we'd do this week. Who are you thinking may be in the, in the offing? I, I bet I can, I can mind read. I think I know who you're going to say. If you can do it, there is only one right choice. Does it rhyme with Tasha Tanks? It does. <laughs> Hard rhyme know, to pull off on the fly, I'll say. You know what I'd have her do? I'd have Naomi come in one before her. I'd have Sasha come straight in and eliminate Naomi immediately. If you can get them, that's what you do. You have Sasha win the Rumble. No bigger statement of intent. Now, in fairness, we may sound like hypocrites here because we're saying... CM Punk can't behave unprofessionally backstage and get rewarded. And then we're going, yeah, you can walk out on a live show and leave your tag titles and come back and win the Rumble. We are being hypocritical, are we not? We, we are, definitely. I feel like maybe Naomi and Sasha's actions were a little more justified, but they are no less unprofessional. I, I don't disagree. But it'd be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> and that's why we love wrestling, that if we want it, we can excuse almost anything. I mean, is she just your, your number one with a bullet? If you can get her, it has to be. If, if you can get her, it has to be. If she goes in that rumble, she wins it. Yeah. Simple as. If you can't get her, I don't... It's interesting. I was thinking about this the other day. I don't think her winning the rumble is the right way to bring her back. Yep. What I think they've done very, very cleverly is we haven't seen Charlotte Flair for a long time. So when she, and we'd seen too much of her before then, you can very easily bring her back and make her seem like a big deal straight away, like the big deal she is. Yep. Now, I don't think bringing her back to win the Rumble is the right way, because that will get booed. I think you won't be able to come back and be like, oh, she's a big deal again. But I'll be very interested to see where they plop her down in the women's division when they do bring her back. Yeah. I'm going to throw one out here. Trish Stratus. Oh, wow. And here's why. If you were going to bring back legends every year to the men's got, or women's Yeah, they've got to win it one day, haven't they? At some point, someone has to do it. Who is the person on either the men's or the women's side of the roster who could be a legend coming back that wouldn't get booed out of the building winning the Rumble? I sort of feel like Trish might be the only person who can get away with that. Beth. Oh, really? Beth Phoenix. Imagine one more run of Beth Phoenix. This is controversial. Was Beth as over as Trish. Is it, does no, it feel... No, Yeah. But Beth is the one I hear talked about the most of imagine what she'd do working with this era of women. She was a better in-ring talent than Trish Stratus ever was. Ooh, I don't know. I don't mm. know. You think Trish so? was a much bigger superstar. Yeah. Trish is a better... Trish is a better WWE superstar, no shadow of a doubt. Yeah. In-ring wrestler... Beth Phoenix is better. Is that just because she's stronger? Are you just, is, are you just saying that because she can throw the suplexes? No, I, and... no I, I, well, that's a big part of it. She has a wider skill set and move set. I would rather, if I literally had to rock up to an arena and watch someone wrestle with nothing else going on, I'd rather watch Beth Phoenix wrestle than Trish Stratus wrestle. Interesting. Well, either way, a legend, if you're going to bring back legends to the Rumble, a legend has to win it at some point, and that's a hard needle to thread. Yeah, you see, you say, Beth, 
Who would you put Beth up against if she? What's your dream match? Beth wins a rumble and she wrestles who? That's a good question. Who would I like to see her wrestle? A lot of them. I'd like to see her wrestle Charlotte. I'd like to see her wrestle Bailey, Sasha, Becky, all the horsewomen, Ronda. I'd like to see Beth As- Beth Asker. Beth versus Asker. Okay. I would do I would do Trish against Sasha. I know that's two returns, yeah. but to me that is that is a Trish Stratus Sasha Banks match is like your Rock Hogan. That yes. that, that is for the women's division, that is what it would be. Yeah, that would be a huge, huge, huge match. Well, let's do everyone's favourite part of the show. Something from everyday life is going back to developmental because we hate it, and something is getting the push because we love it. First or second for you, Charlie? I'll go first. Go for it. So my... I'm making a habit this. My back to developmental is a serious one again. Yep. Uh, I would like to send back... So a lot of people have seen, I'm sure, the very sad news that Worcester Warriors have gone into liquidation are no more. Uh, if you're not aware, they are one of the, well, were one of the professional rugby sides in the premiership. I have a lot of friends there playing and in the staff. They now don't have jobs. Um, and of the players, 40-odd person playing squad, I think about 10 have managed to get other contracts. Only 30 players haven't got jobs. None of the staff have. I know one of the physios very well. She now isn't working. So it's very, very sad, very hideous. So the former owners of Worcester Warriors... You've got a lot going on right now, but this is your worst moment as I'm sending you back to developmental. It's hideous for everyone involved in Worcester at the moment. And the fans, like that city has one major sports team. It has its cricket club, then it's one major sports team, is its rugby club. And they don't have it anymore. And and I think it's uncontroversial to say any time that a club ends up in administration, something has gone wrong at some level that will need to be looked at. And I'm sure the owners in due course will come out and give their point of view about exactly what's happened and how they feel that this happened. I would just like to say that, that with these clubs, what often doesn't get mentioned is the people who are getting paid less or getting paid nothing in the run up and still go in and do their job anyway out of a sense of duty. And I was hearing about the strength and conditioning uh, folks. I'm yeah. sure it's just one example who weren't getting paid anything or were getting paid 66% and still went in and still did their thing. So all of the security team for match days did two match days without being paid so the match days could go on. So a lot of staff did it voluntary, and then a lot of the staff who employed day-to-day, so S&C, physios, um, admin, were, pay, were pay, working on 60% pay, which I know right now I couldn't survive on 60% pay yeah. with bills and stuff. I know right now I couldn't do that. So incredible, incredible people. Very easy um, to sit there at home and go, oh, but we'd all do it if we loved it until you see the bills. And so, yeah, and our thoughts with everyone uh, in that situation because it is a terrible, terrible situation for them to end up in. Yes, but earn the push for me mm. this week is Lemsip, oh. cold and flu. Because it is keeping me going. I hate the taste of it, but it's the only thing keeping me going. And more so with that, twofold, a website called Global Drow. Because what you won't appreciate, probably, unless you are a professional athlete, is there are cold, certain cold and flu medicines that we aren't allowed to take. Really? Because, they, yes, they have substances in them that are on the prohibited list because enough of them. So, some of the, so cold and flu obviously has paracetamol in it for your pain and then caffeine and other things that make you feel better, give you energy. Some of, some of them have substances in them that are completely safe. They're fine. So it's not like steroids or anything, because you say banned substances, everyone thinks steroids yeah. straight away. But some of the, the basically, the pick-me-ups to give you energy are banned substances because enough of them, on match day especially, are deemed performance-enhancing. So as much as we're allowed to take as much caffeine as we want, there are some substances you're not allowed to take. So what this website Global Drow does 
is you can either end the shop, scan the barcode on the website, or just type in what it's called. You put in what sport you play, and it will tell you whether it's allowed or not. That is amazing. And it makes my life so much easier. I'm not even an athlete, but I'm definitely going to be trying that later. It's incredible. It's called Global Dro. Anyone can use it. You type in what it is. It gives you the options. You bang, you press it. You say what country you're in, what sport you play. And it gives you either a green tick or a red cross for normal days and match days. Because some of them are allowed every day up to the day before match day. Some are allowed every day. Some aren't allowed at all. And like I say, there's nothing unhealthy in them. No. They're just yeah. enough of this one substance will be performance enhancing. That is sensational. I am. I'm going to have to um, send back to developmental in a controversial way. Lemsip, because oh wow, be- we've never had this before. Yep. I'm sorry. I'm sending your earning the push back to developmental because only once have I had the drink and I was forced to have it and I hated the taste of it and I drank it all down and I literally vomited it all straight back up. Like, it was one where my mum was like, it'll make you feel better. You try it. I was like, I really don't like this. I'm feeling really sick. And she's like, no, no, no. It'll make you feel better. I drank it all down. And 30 seconds later, it all came back up again. So I'm afraid I have to see your earning the push and send it straight back to developmental. That's not nice because Lemzip doesn't taste nice on the way down. So God knows what it tastes like on the way back up. I've suppressed that memory. I'm not I'm not hanging on to it. So that's going back to developmental. It wasn't my plan, but it's going back to developmental. Earning the push for me. This is a weird one. George Michael is earning the push because I watched a brilliant documentary on. Uh, I think you can rent it from Amazon on George Michael's Life's and Time. And it was absolutely fantastic. And you forget how bloody brilliant George Michael was as a singer, a songwriter, as someone ahead of his time who just didn't care when the press were hounding him for being gay and he was just like, ah, do you know what? I'm going on Michael Parkinson. I'll talk about it. And he was just such a badass and wrote so many songs and it's a great documentary. Absolute trailblazer. One of my favourite moments is my sister a few years ago once said, that guy in Wham sounds a bit like George Michael, doesn't he? Yeah, no, he does actually. There's a reason for that. It's unbelievable. And you just, you listen to it and what they've done is he he is, it's a sad one because he's making the documentary and he obviously passes away before the documentary is finished. And I don't know how they intended to do it, but essentially they've got lots of voiceovers, lots of interviews, and then just him typing his life story. And it's just brilliant. And you forget just, have you seen that that Queen performance at Somebody to Love, which where he does at the Queen concert? Yes, 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 yes. What you don't know about that, because it wasn't public, and people may know it now, is is he um, his lover had just been diagnosed with AIDS, and he's there giving the performance of his life, and he just talks about it. And I think it's four quid to rent on Amazon. If you've got worth four it. quid, well worth it. So that's getting the push for me. He also sings my favourite Christmas song. Which is Last Christmas, clearly. Yes. But honestly, I heard a Christmas song the other day, and it made me livid. Really? Uh, it was the 4th of October. Scott Mills played um, one on his last show just because he could. Yeah, but he's allowed because he's Scott Mills. This is true. Look, we better wrap this one up. Uh, Extreme Rules this Saturday then. Don't forget, a Saturday, not a Sunday show. And then AW goes to Toronto next Wednesday. That should be fantastic. Charlie, final question. Uh, cards on the table. Bray Wyatt, anyone else but him showing up at Extreme Rules? And is it a huge disappointment if he doesn't appear? It has to be Bray with the White Rabbit. 
if he doesn't appear at Extreme Rules, it's not a huge disappointment, but he does need to turn up in the next week or so, I think. Uh, maybe Raw after Extreme Rules. He needs to come soon because we've had a lot of teasing now. Yep. Well, we shall see. Remember, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. If you love wrestling as much as we do, share the love on social media. Enjoy your wrestling week, Extreme Rules reaction, and Dynamite reaction, and so much more coming up on next week's show. But until then, from Charlie and myself, thanks for listening, and bye-bye. Mm-hmm.